It's time for the two mics. Hello, I'm Dan Perkins of Blacks and White Network, and we've been expanding our programs rapidly. I'm pleased to announce that the two mics are joining our network in both podcast and streaming. They have a unique approach to telling their story. They start with the truth, which is always the most entertaining. I invite you to come back every week and listen to the two mics. In case you miss a streaming show, you can get caught up via the podcast. And now, here are the two mics. Four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. You're on with two mics. Dr. Michael Shoyer, New York Times bestselling author, read, wrote many books. I never wrote one. And Colonel Mike. And today we're going to have, we're going right to it. It's just ourgoldguy.com. You could look at the website, twomikes.us. By the way, I would like for you guys that go on twomikes.us to click the rumble, go on rumble, subscribe. Seven months, we have the same amount of subscribers. We're being canceled or blocked. I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, Rumble became like another, it's like another Twitter thing, you know? They're twats in a Twitter or Twitter's in a twat or whatever. But for, for some reason or another, we have a couple of million listeners around the globe, 11 countries, and uh, we don't have another subscriber in seven months. I don't know why, but just click it and subscribe. I'd like to see maybe two or three people will join or whatever. And uh, don't forget EMP Shield, our other great sponsor. And we're going right to it. Hey, we've been waiting a while to get this gentleman on, and we we struck gold. So I contacted Wayne at John Birch Society, who was supposed to come on the show and talk to us about farming, and he gives me the jackpot, and I got Jack McManus on, who goes back in the day. I mean, you talk about back in the day with John Birch Society. He was with Robert Welsh back in the day, and he's going to be on with us for a good part of the show, and then Wayne's going to come in. But we want to welcome first time Jack McManus live in Boston. Jack, welcome to Two Mics. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be with you. Jack, tell us a little bit about what it was like to be around Robert Welsh, the founder, and what, what's happening with this uh, moron from uh, the left who wrote well, a hit piece on him. Well, uh, Robert Welsh was almost like a second father. <clears throat> he was a brilliant guy. And he, he'd done an awful lot of organizing when, with the National Association for Manufacturers. Uh, and he was, he and his brother were the Welsh Candy Company, Sugar Daddy, Sugar Babies. Wow. And, and uh, he, he made a good living, but he was also a historian. He never stopped reading. Any, anytime you'd see him, he, he had a book in his hand. So he started the John Birch Society in December of 1958. And I heard about the Birch Society it was being trashed in the early 60s. So I went to a meeting because I was afraid of this John Birch Society. When I went to the meeting, I said, there's something wrong here. This, this, this organization sounds like something I'm looking for. And so I got some information. I joined the society. Uh, and then they eventually asked me to join the staff. I started out as an uh, uh, organizer of ad hoc committees and so forth, and got friendly with Robert Welsh. And then he made me the, the uh, head of the uh, public relations department. 
And I started going on radio shows, television shows. I started doing a lot of speaking. And then uh, later on, I became president of the John Birch Society. I'm now president emeritus. I'm, I'm in my mid eighties and I can't travel anymore. And I got, <laughs> I got a couple of aches and pains, but, but I still do radio and television shows and, and it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Hey, Jack, you know, um, they say nothing comes out of Brooklyn, but you know, you were born and raised in Brooklyn and pretty much you, you did your early childhood, I guess, in 14 years in Arlington, Virginia. So you had the best of both worlds and then you wind up marrying a beautiful woman and get to Boston. But uh, it, it must have been something back in the day when you had people like Goldwater in the Republican Party, solid Republicans who seen what was happening, Welsh and JBS seeing what was going on. And today, <laughs> I mean, you guys were like uh, Nostradamus back then. Well, that's true. But, you know, uh, we started being trashed, not by necessarily by the leftists and so forth. We started being trashed by, Robert, by B William Buckley. And, and he told more lies about the John Birch Society than everybody else combined. So I wrote a book about Buckley. Uh, the book's about 10, 12 years old, I think, maybe more. And uh, it just shows his history as being part of the establishment that he was supposed to be an enemy of. And he, he kept sniping at the Birch Society all those years and so forth. It, it, it became a, uh, uh, a kind of a game with him. Similar to like this guy, Bill Crystal, right? Who considers himself a conservative, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I, I had a friend within Buckley's camp and that was Joe Sobran. Joe Sobran was a real good American and a good guy. And he was eventually betrayed by Buckley as well. And uh, Sobran's the guy who said, when most politicians wrestle with their conscience, they win. <laughs> hey, did you write a book about also, did you write a book about Robert Welch? I wrote a history of the John Birch Society. I didn't write a book about Welch itself, but the, the book is all about Welch and how he started it and why he started it and, and then people who surrounded him and so forth. And of course, they got this new book out by this guy Miller. And, and he says, over and over again, he says, oh, the John Birch Society wasn't racist, but it, but it did this, but it did that. Bunch of baloney. Do you know, when I first heard about them, Jack, years ago, you know, I thought it was like a KKK thing when I looked it up. You know, I said, yeah. oh, wait, could you? you know, that's the way they presented it everywhere in the news. Dr. Mike, you come in on this one now. Come on. Well, you know, it's I remember when I was young uh, in fourth or fifth grade, they, everyone thought that the John Birch Society was uh, uh, either right. racist or or um, was subversive. A and it's. Uh, it, it turns out to be entirely false. And I, for one, I'm not surprised that Buckley was, uh, um, you know, defending what he thought he was, what he, what he told us he was trying to uh, bring down. So it, it's, uh, it's not surprising to me, but it's a hard, it's a hard, hard label to kick, isn't it? Well, it, it is. And one of the ways they do it is they say, uh, we investigated the John Birch Society to find out if it was racist and talk about racism and so on and so on. So, but we ended up deciding, no, they weren't racist. Well, you know, anybody who listened to that program, what he'll remember is John Birch Society racist. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's all it's a, it's how the media works at least these days. Yeah, so I mean, we're still facing it. Uh, I'll tell you, so sir, some of the best news and information about what's going on inside America right now has been from people that we've had uh, from the John Burke Society. They see seem to be absolutely on top of things. Well, that's right. I mean, we're, we're way ahead. You know, we're so far out in front that people gasp when they find out what we're really all about. <laughs> a lot of well, people could use a good gasp. Well, that's right. <clears throat> but happily, the Birth Society survived all of the problems and is 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 functioning. And my good friend Wayne Morrow, who I think is on this program with us, he's he's leading the uh, field and helping uh, our staff people. What do we got? About forty people in the in the field, Wayne. Uh, pretty close to that, Jack. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I started out as a, a coordinator working for the Birch Society, and then they found out I knew how to wield a pencil. So they said, come on in and help us do with some of the writing. <laughs> and I did, and then uh, started speaking, and then I started making videos, and and uh, we used to use film strips back in those days. But uh, Robert Welsh was a, just a, a wonderful man. Uh, he was everybody's grandfather, really, but but solid and... and uh, uh, intolerant of people who didn't take time to learn what their country was all about and, and how it was under attack. Well, look at where we are now, Jack. In, in American history today, you know, uh, they took it out of school, you know, what, what the country is all about, what our founding is about. And that's where we are today. You know, we're, we're right near the cliff at the edge. And we need uh, more, more of John Birch society than less of John Birch. But I always tell people, go to the New American. They're on Twitter. They got some of the best articles on Twitter. I could tell you that. And the New American Magazine, they have great podcasts, uh, lots of info. We've had Robert uh, Wallace, I think it is on, one of the attorneys there who's been on with us a couple of times. Uh, you got Alex Newman's show, which is a great podcast show. And, uh, you know, it's just an informative. It's, it's a lot better than these guys, you know, that just got these websites with eyeballs falling out and, you know, bellies and how you lose weight in 10 minutes, you know, taking this pill. Uh, it's it's a very informative website. And I tell people go to New American all the time. And and naturally, they sign up to be members. I mean, it's listen, it's the best bang for the buck. That's right. That's right. Every pillar of the society that is America is under attack. Mm-hmm. Every pillar, the schools, the churches, everything. And uh, certainly the government itself. So somebody's got to say, okay, well, what is the what is the real truth? What is the truth about Americanism? And and if you want that, go to the John Birch Society and you'll get the straight scoop. Doctor Mike. Yeah, well, that's that's certainly that's th- those are few and far between, sir. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's an enormous advantage to have your organization, and especially it's as Colonel Mike said, the great publications you put out, and. Uh, but it's such a long slog, and then there's no there's nothing else we can do but make that slog. And uh, I, I'm afraid we're approaching a point where, um, well, uh, popular demonstrations, popular uh, assertiveness is going to become more and more likely and more uh, necessary. Well, one of the things that the Birch Society is castigated for is for saying that we're facing a conspiracy. <laughs> you know? 
Imagine, imagine there are people behind the scenes plotting to destroy our country and they have a grip on the on the media and a grip on education, a grip on the government and so on. And it, somebody has to point this out. You do so and then you you catch the uh, the venom of the of the opposition. And that's what that's what has happened. It is certainly that's they, they just played uh, about two hours ago. I was listening to a compilation of. um uh, commentary across the mainstream media uh, about the raid on Trump's headquarters or his home rather in, in uh, Florida. And they all used exactly the same. They were reading from the same script. Yeah. They would have, a, they would have a, a television channel in California start the sentence and then some announcer in Atlanta would finish it. Yeah. And it, 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 they went all across the country like that. There must've been 12 or 15 examples. And it's uh, and, and the people in the media, a lot of them get to get to understand that if you if you tout this line, you get promoted and you go ahead and, and they'll give you a program and they'll 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 fawn all over you and so forth. If you tell the truth, you get canned. Well, I, I, I think that's certainly right, sir. And I think in, in, in past years, that was the only thing they had is is uh, you, got, you got treated right. But now we have enormous numbers of people that call themselves correspondents who are educated in universities that teach hatred for America. That's right. So they have people who are after a buck, but also they do it for the pleasure of doing it. Right. Well, the cost of sending your child off to a good college these days has gone up. And of course, even if they finish that college, they come back and you don't know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, you know exactly. what I, right. I coined them? I coined these, these colleges and universities Poison Ivy schools. Poison when your kid comes home, it's Poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. You know, even the school I went to, I went to a Catholic school in Massachusetts, Holy Cross College, and it's different today. It's yeah. totally different. And some of my classmates from back in that period, they just say, they keep asking me to send them money. I'm not sending them a dime. Hey, Colonel Mike for two mics. Uh, we're getting these shows up as fast as possible on network radio.us so if you're uh, gonna email us on the uh, website uh, you just go to right there to networkradio.us they're going up as soon as we do them they're up within 15 20 minutes once the producer's finished they load them right up and uh, they're happy to get their stuff up as fast as possible and eventually they get on the other platform so for you guys who can't wait for the next two mics show there you go networkradio.us and again Thanks, Vod. Yep. You know, uh, well, it's, it's got to be that way because you're just you're promoting uh, 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 destruction of your country if you promote those schools. That's right. So yeah. we get we got a lot of problem. One of the good points I see in the news is that there are a lot fewer people uh, applying to go to college. They, they just stay away from it. I'm going to go get myself a job, and I'm going to maybe even build a small business and see if I can make it the American way without going to college. Get some, you know, and well, that's exactly right. There's so many, we live in a rather small area in the Shenandoah, and I'll tell you, um, we have a, a wealth of vocationally educated people, and there's nothing that can happen in your house that they can't fix or find that's someone right. to fix it. That's and they're right. making very comfortable livings. Right. Oh, the guys you can trust are the plumbers and the electricians. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, hey, Jack, that's exactly right, sir. Hey, Jack, let me let me tell you, in West Virginia, the, the Senate finance chairman was a plumber HVAC guy. 
And this the house finance chairman owns, I think, a sheet metal company. And we're going to have him on after after your show. But it, the two guys that that hold the purse strings in a small state that's in the black and, uh, you know, went Republican, went red after 88 years of Democratic control are blue collar guys, yeah. guys that write checks, guys that have a payroll. And that's how it operates. But when you get to Washington on the Hill, they're all accountants and lawyers. They can't make a bill and they can't they can't do a budget. They just stay there. They grift off the people for 20, 30 years and then they become lobbyists and then they grift off the uh, defense contractors. You did, know? You see, did you see what happened in, in uh, Arizona? No. The gal who won the primary for, for the next governor, she's a former uh, television commentator. <laughs> got friendly, got friendly with a lot of people in, in Arizona and they voted her in. Now she's going to be the candidate to run, a, run for governor of, of uh, and she's a big, big Trump supporter. Oh, uh, that's good. But when that's you good. listen to her, she sounds pretty hard nosed, too. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, she's very able. Yeah. Uh, I've read a little bit about her and I'd like to meet her someday. I don't think I ever will, but uh, I don't travel anymore. My legs are gone. I'm, I'm in my mid 80s and. And it's getting, uh, it's getting tougher to get out of bed in the morning. Well, what we'll do is we'll put out a feeler to find out who knows her to, so that she can get on the phone with you. I'm sure Wayne knows her before we will. Mm-hmm. He yeah. knows everyone. <laughs> Listen, while I'm on the air, I want to mention this book I wrote. Please. Society. It's history recounted by someone who was there. The someone is me. I wrote the book. It's 472 pages and it goes year by year, or what happened in the Birch Society, how we fought off the charge of being anti-Semitic and, and racist and uh, kooky. And, and, and is there a conspiracy? You bet your life there is. Well, well you know what? We'll get that picture up there. We'll put, the, we'll put that in the footnotes. Mike is a fantastic writer, as I said, New York Times bestseller. And uh, he's the part of the show that knows how to put semicolon, exclamation points, question marks, and all that stuff. I read your New York Times every day, trying to find out, trying to find out what the enemy's pushing. Well, no, I, I listen to NPR. Hey, Jack, I listen to NPR and PBS. And now I want to give you a shout out for this one. If you want the new CNN for the kids, it's Newsy, N-E-W-S-Y, Newsy. This thing's hilarious. You got to watch this one. This has got all the diversity all the multicultural, every color. You know, we got the skin tones from light to dark, Asian to a Native American. They got every and everything's bad. The end of the world's coming tomorrow. Hey, I'm a Native American. I grew up in Brooklyn. That's what I say. <laughs> if you're born here, you're a Native American. That's right. And I, know spell, hey. I know how to spell Verrazano. It's got two Z's. Hey, but another thing, Jack, if you're born in Brooklyn, you start with 10 points. You know that. That's right. That's it. People don't realize that. When you tell them, hey, I'm from Brooklyn, they say, what? Yeah, I started with 10 points. But also you have eyes behind your head. A lot I of spent, people don't know that. I spent a lot of time at, at a playground uh, down by Fort Hamilton High School. Uh-huh. I spent a lot of time playing basketball there. And there were, three want- guys, there were three guys among the crowd that used to come and play at those games who made the NBA. That's, that's how good the basketball was. So I, I played in high school and so forth, but, but I was too small and too uh, slow, I guess. I didn't go on and, 
uh, any further than high school. But hey, Jack, tell them what high school you went to. Brooklyn Prep. Brooklyn Prep. For you that don't know it, it was it was like the Harvard of Fordham of high schools in New York. It, you had to excel. Like, I, what was what was it to get in there, Jack? I forgot the grade average, but it was unbelievable. You know, maybe a thousand guys applied and a hundred guys got it. You know, I had I had good nuns that taught me at St. Anselm School in, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and and I owe them a big debt of gratitude. I I say a prayer for them every day. And, nice. Uh, they, they were good people, and they're the ones that prepared me to be able to go to Holy Cross uh, at Brooklyn Prep and Holy Cross. I always say now, I, I went through eight years of Jesuit education, and then I rejoined the church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had 12 years, uh, Jack. It's, it's a quite, it was quite an experience when the Jesuits were still the Jesuits. Yeah. My, my only uncle was a Jesuit. He ended up as a missionary out in the South Pacific. Holy cow. He, he was on the islands that the Japanese and, uh, and, and the Americans had duked it out in World War II. Yeah. I, you know, the, the, what I you said there. about nuns is so true. A student's best friend is a, is the, is a teaching nun. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe that as long as I lived. My kids went to Catholic school and it took me a little while to, they were a little intimidated. But I finally talked them into, you know, just go up and say good morning all the time, even if it's not class. And you'll you'll be on the right side and you'll be amazed at how much they will help you. And they did. Finally. But yeah, but that, the, the number of nuns is shrinking. Very, very much. And also, by the time my children were, were going, they didn't use the good old uh, pointer anymore to give you a little rap on the knuckles now and then. You know, they kept those yardstick guys in business, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's they right. had, I think they got a kickback on every every yardstick that was sold. They, mm-hmm. they used to get a penny or two, you know, back in the day. But the only nuns I really liked were the French nuns that sang that song, you know, it was a hit song <laughs> back in the 60s. Frere Jaca. Dominique. Dominique was the, fe- remember that song? There was two big songs in the 60s, Dominique by the French nuns and Sukiyaki by one Japanese artist that made a song for America. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Jack, it was great to have you on. You have to come back, update us on what's going on in Boston. And you know the Yankees in Boston. So Mike's a big Yankee fan, by the way. You know that. That, that that's too bad. Well, I, he walks around I with you're a Yankee hang up, Jack. <laughs> Mike Mike walks around with a satin Yankees jacket in the summer just to piss <laughs> people off. <laughs> well, up here the Red Sox uh they're leading the league in the number of games they've lost. It's been a tough year, hasn't it? It's been a tough year in Boston, yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Hey, Jack, is, is the Italian, North, what is it, the North End up there? What do they call it, the Italian area with the restaurants? In the Boston. North End. So yeah, North, North End. End. Is that place drinking like New York City, Little Italy? No, no, small, small. East Boston is the Italian section of Boston. Uh-huh. You had to go through the tunnel to get there. But the uh, the restaurant area is it shrinking or growing? I mean, in, you go to Little Italy, you find three shops now, and everything's Chinatown. I know. No, this a, I know. It's about forty still, forty five when I was there last. Forty five. It's still pretty yep. vibrant. It's a it's a tourist attraction. Yeah, tourist track. But they have they had a couple of good restaurants. When I was up there a couple of years ago. Quite a few. Oh, yeah. So listen, let, let me let me give a commercial here for the people. Come on, go ahead. One eight hundred JBS USA one on the telephone if you want to contact us. 
jbs.org on the internet. Mm-hmm. We're glad to hear from anybody. Free information will be sent to you. And then, then uh, you can start buying some of the good books and some of our mm-hmm. magazines and so on. The New American Magazine is a publication of the John Birch Society. You'll even find articles in there by a guy named John McManus. Ah, there we ah. go. So and we like to add, Jack, that we also have an online school from kindergarten to high school, and that's part of our affiliate called Freedom Project Academy. That's correct. You're so right. we cover the, the spectrum. I wanted to add before Jack leaves is that, yes, the Birch Society is under attack, and Jack can maybe speak to that for a second. In 1963, we had a thing called the California Report, and Mr. Welch had, I guess it was the Senate Fact-Finding Committee on American Activities spent, I think it was two years, wasn't it, Jack? And we published the results of yes. the, the disparity yeah. of the Bird Society, and we had a clean bill of health, and and I guess we published it, but I guess they, they basically closed the book on it, but it wasn't uh, yeah. it was a good and the half. You would send that to a guy who wanted to be a, a, a rising star in the uh, <clears throat> communications world, and and he would ignore the book. He wouldn't read it because it was it was pro John Birch Society. It went through all of the charges against the society and showed that they were rubbish and so on. So, yeah. So one eight hundred JBS USA one, or if you go to the internet JBS.org. And we will put that in footnotes, Jack. We guarantee you, we put it in. Mike's great at this stuff. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. You have to come back and visit us again. Well, you, you get a hold of me and I'll, I'll leave some time aside. It's great to talk to anybody from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> that speed, Jack. Okay, thank you very much. All right, bye-bye now. All right, Wayne, jump aboard now. Tell us what's happening that you would like to speak about on the Two Mike Show. Wow. Well, uh, you and I talked about this uh, on and off the air. It's uh, the war on farmers and a war on food. And that's mm-hmm. always a big problem. And every housewife and everybody complains about the price of food and really what's going on. So, you know, you all saw the, uh, the Dutch farmers, you know, an interesting story about the Dutch farmers or even the revolts in Sri Lanka, which, by the way, was a pretty self-sufficient. But it all fits into, and I know Jack, uh, certainly we get him back on, he could talk about, it's all about Agenda 23. It's about the UN and all the false fights, you know, follows the Great Reset and the UN. So let me talk about the Dutch farmer revolt. And um, what's going on is why do they pick the Netherlands? Why do they pick the Dutch farmers? Well, here's an interesting story. Tiny Netherlands is a little sli- slightly larger than in Maryland. Matter of fact, I used when I worked in Europe, I had good friends. I used to do business there. You know, thank God for dikes, right? It's the second, it's second only to the United States, which is about 237 times larger. And agricultural exports, you know that? That's it's wow. the second largest exporter of food. So now you know why they targeted the Netherlands. I got you, yeah. And here's the thing is, is that the Prime Minister, Mark Rudy, R-U-T-T-E, I guess I pronounced his name correctly, he's determined to wipe out the Holland independent farmers and replace them with what? Corporate mega farmers operating under a thing called a Food Alliance Action Alliance, FAA, which is all launched in with the World Economic Forum. So what I read on the internet, and it just could do your searches, is that they're trying to take the independent farmers out of business with this reduction of fertilizer. 
and carbon dioxide, their footprint, and take the land out of, uh, out of food production and use it to build houses for uh, illegal immigrants from the North Africa area, wherever in the, in the world. But they want to make homes in the farmland. So oh, okay, they have yeah, they have a little bit of that white guilt. There's a lot of white guilt going around the world. And uh, where are the Dutch masters when you need them? Remember the old Dutch master cigars? Yeah, they're need- probably still smoking them. But anyway, isn't it <laughs> interesting though that if you think about it, that's the theory or that's the strategy behind the attack on the farm. Of course, the farmers, you know, they they've uh, you know slowed down the or stopped the inter roadways and and the airports because they're demonstrating they know that they're out of business and it looks like in the world if i look at some of the stats before it came on there's 500 million small moderate independent farmers in the world and their goal is to take them out of out of uh out of production and of course it happens in canada and it it does happen in the united states we can talk about that as well but uh, it's going on worldwide it's not just in the netherlands well, that's part of that reset. I think, Wayne, that's I would say that's part of that reset because you got Gates doing things in America. Absolutely. Uh, you, spoke, you spoke with farmers in in California. About yeah, I did. They- yeah. As a matter of fact, there was an article in CF Industries. You can look this up if you go on their website. C is in Charlie, F is in Fred Industries. And it says this. I'm going to actually read. I printed it off. This is from their CEO, Union Pacific curtails fertilizer shipments, delaying deliveries preventing new rail orders from being taken. So this is exactly what it says. This was back in April of 2022. It says the following, that nitrogen fertilizers, urea and urea ammonia nitrate, as well as diesel exhaust fluid, DEF, okay, uh, which is CF Industries, it's a public company, it's the largest uh, producer of it in North America. And it says, the, uh, the Tony Will, the president says, the timing of the Union Pacific could not come come at a worse time. And they're trying to delay shipments and reducing shipments to the farmlands. And what happened is, as I was reading through this, is they, they say that if Union Pacific told the company, if you're non-compliant with the result of the embargo of its facilities by railroad, they may not have available shipping capacity to take any new rail orders involving Union Pacific rails to meet the late season demand of fertilizer. So basically the rail system, Union Pacific said, hey, you'll have to comply with reducing your shipments and don't give you a reason out in the springtime to the farmlands, which they need the most to grow crops. Would you think it's also because maybe they they got the pressure from BNSF, which is Warren Buffett's uh, train? Uh, no, he he. Well, maybe he owns he owns Burlington Northern Santa Fe, but I think that's all about uh, causing a fabricated a food shortage. And if you talk to farmers, and I was out in California, you mentioned, and they have a water problem as well as fertilizer. But if you reduce the fertilizer capacity, like in Canada, thirty percent, is that you make it so difficult them to make ends meet financially? Right. Is that you take them out of business? That's exactly. It's got nothing to do with the carbon dioxide footprint. Uh, footprint. It's got nothing but taking them out and bankrupting them. So they sell their farms to corporate farmers. So now conglomerates own farms. That's really the goal. That means corporate. Also, that's code for Chinese companies. Well, well, you know, I, I asked that question. When I was in California and I met a lady who was in a real estate business and she was selling the farmlands 
in San Joaquin Valley. You know that California is a breadbasket for North America, yes. besides Hollywood. And you know they she was they were selling uh, farmland because the independent farmers can't get water. You know the water is being diverted from the mountains. They said as a, a drought, but it's a lot of water is being diverted out to LA, out to the ocean because of an indigenous fish, which is not indigenous, by the way. Anyway, mm -hmm. so when they're uh, they can't produce product any longer, and so these lands are for sale. And so here you go. Here's the guess. So what would you think? The biggest buyers of California farmland are where they're from. China and India. Well, India is for sure. Canada is the next one. And they use a surrogate uh, for the Chinese government. So those three countries are buying the San Joaquin Valley farmland when it comes up for sale. And she's looking so hard to find Americans to buy the uh, farmland and uh, California. And that, I'll be out there another couple of weeks to get an update. But that's what's going on as of a few months ago. Dr. Mike. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, they, I've always, for, for whatever reason, since I was a, a, in late grammar school, or early high school, I've been interested in the water problem in California. Mm -hmm. And they've done virtually nothing to improve that. It's almost like it was they, they ignored it in order to prep for all of what's going on today. You know, yeah. it, it didn't take a genius to figure out that if, if California farming goes, it's a disaster for the entire republic. Yeah. Well, here's the story, Mike, is that they do have the water, but they're purposely being diverted on purpose to form arid farmland to sell. So they make life difficult. Yes, they have sir. the water capacity, but it's being I've, diverted I've to, too, to Los know, Angeles to the sea. A yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all done on, you know, as Jack mentioned, it's, it's a conspiracy. And it really yeah. is. And a definition of conspiracy for anybody who's listening is it's an inventor situation that evokes a conspiracy by sinister or powerful groups, often political in motivation. <laughs> you know, that's kind of interesting. That's what's going on. But it all fits the Agenda 2030 agenda. That's if you go marching right through an agenda, goal number 10, goal number 11. Basically, it says the following is that they want to reduce inequality among countries. So nobody starves, but you're going to have to buy... Uh, world, world economic. You know, you know wait, wait, wait. You said inequality uh, uh, amongst countries. I'm, I'm in on this inequality thing. You may not think so. I'm in on this inequity thing too, because I'd like to take half the money Gates got and spread it in my pocket. <laughs> I'd like to take some of that John Kerry money and Barack Obama money and put it around my hood. You know what yeah. I mean? That's a little bit of inequality too. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not just colorful. Well, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's a, a, a way, a, a nice way of saying that we're going to, as uh, Jack was saying earlier, redistribution of the wealth, but everyone's going to be substandard. But, you know, mm -hmm. I, I always look at it this way. The in crowd now says, well, if we want to reduce the carbon input, now they're going to have edible insects. And that's kind of a cool thing to do is edible insects. They have insect farms, you know, just in case you ought to know that. Well, we, we have a uh, update from a certain lady, you know about the insects, which we will put up. Um, yeah. It's not good to eat, ladies and gentlemen. There is a uh, lot of parasites and you don't want to eat it. They can't kill you with COVID, so they're going to try to starve you. And if they, and if you're going to eat, you're going to eat insects, which will kill you with the parasites anyway. So for yeah. all of you sushi lovers who like that raw fish with a little bit of uh, nuclear dessert inside of it, uh, where's the most stomach cancers in the world? Raise your hand, kids. And raise your hand. Where are the most stomach cancers? Japan. Japan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Everybody yeah, so it's, 
I think Stalin said, if Jack is, is still on the air, maybe he's not, but I think Stalin says, control the food, control the people. Huh? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, we got to wrap it up. Give us the last word, Wayne and, and Mike. Well, it says Jack was saying, you know, more information, uh, the JBS.org. That's certainly a place to go and the new American.com. And it is a conspiracy. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's not a theory anymore. It's, it's, it's real. And uh, it, all the things going on with food and prices of food and farmers is all planned. And it's worldwide, not just the United States. So I'm happy to tell you with, as they up their game, it opens the eyes of a lot of people. So I see I talk to people from all the United States. So people are awakening to the problem. And I think the globalists know that. That's why they're working like crazy. And I think they're going to overplay their hand because they're going to try to throw that Hail Mary pass and it's not going to work on them. And that's one that Build Back Better now is it's a crazy name they gave it. What is it? Inflation Reduction Act, which yes. is billions of dollars. And, you know, the, the way they enforce it, they're going to have armed IRS agents go around your house. So there's a lot of crazy things going on. So I'm just saying is that we write about it and Americans are not stupid. They're catching on to it. And uh, I think you couldn't ask for a better time in history to be the, uh, the watchman on the on the hill as well as the wall to warn people. This is not done by accident. This is all done by plan. Yeah. And now to Dr. Shua for closing statements from Concord Hill in Massachusetts. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I was going to say, Jack, is that I, I, I found... Uh, or not, Jack, I'm sorry. Uh, I found here where we live, and it's a very small sample, but not only are people very interested in what's going on, but you can kind of sense uh, what, when discussions drift into politics, there's a growing anger. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing to feel, to see, that people are finally getting... Uh, hopefully not too late, aware of what's being done to them by their government. So uh, that's all I wanted to say. And uh, of course, to thank you and, and previously Jack McManus, it was a, it was great to have you. It's always good to have guys from uh, uh, John Birch Society on. Our, 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 I think our listeners love them. And, uh, and uh, please come back when you, when, whenever you like. I will do that. Yeah, we have a new magazine coming out. We had one in the past called Feast or Famine. That's an issue back, I believe, uh, back in June the 13th. You can add it backward. We actually have a new one come out a couple of weeks from now, basically all on the food crisis. So that's coming out. We're going to have a special issue just about that. Which well, you they, they got to join. You got to join it. It's like the lottery. You got to be in it to win Absolutely it. Absolutely right? right. You got to join. It's a. It's it's the most bang for your buck. I think it's about eighty bucks a year right now, Wayne. Seven dollars with a magazine. How much? Eighty-seven dollars. You get the magazine every two weeks. And you man, got a bunch come of on. That's Crazy. two grub hubs. What are you talking about? That's like <laughs> a grub hub. Guess just pay the eighty-seven dollars. Keep them in business so you know what's going on. I mean. You subscribe to this BS crap on uh, Netflix and uh, sports, ESPN, you know, all that other stuff. And, hey, we're coming up on the sports. You know, football's coming. So spend the 87 before you go broke with your fat popcorn. You know what I mean? Yeah. The bad stuff you got to eat to sit on a couch and watch these multimillionaires being paid to throw a ball, things they like to do. Right. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Let's wrap it up. That's it for two mics. Thank you so much, Wayne, for coming on. Thanks for bringing Jack on. He was hilarious. He's great. What a Thank bright you. guy, just like you. And Dr. Mike, always, my buddy, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you, sir.